0: To share tonight, I've been told I have two hours and thirty minutes, and so we're going to go for that whole time, and it's going to be great. But uh, over camp, just to bring you up to date, uh, I looked at first night, the first session, a story where Jesus meets a guy called Matthew, who was a tax collector, uh, and he. We obviously understand Matthew was cut off from the people of God because of the decisions he's made. As a Jew, he was robbing other Jews to give to the Romans, and so uh, what we pulled out of that story was that Jesus still saw and called Matthew out of his booth into a life with him. And so the same is true for you and I with Jesus, is that no matter how much we mess up, we don't miss out when it comes to God. That's he still loves us, welcomes us just as we are. And then the second session, we looked at a story where Jesus went into the temple and he started flipping tables and clearing out the temple to reinstate what its original design was. And so we looked at, yes, Jesus accepts us as we are, but as we do life with him, he wants to take us towards our freedom through forgiveness from the things maybe that in our lives don't bring us closer him Uh, and then this morning we looked at how he's given us a constant companion in the Holy Spirit that we don't have to do this thing called life on our own but we have God living in us working through us and so tonight we're going to tie a nice little ribbon for everyone but also for youth camp and we're going to look at something called the cost of your Christianity. Uh, We're going to look at hey we might have met Jesus doing life with him walking with the Holy Spirit but the sad truth is it cannot just remain for us. But God has called us to be out in the world, reaching the world, bringing kingdom of heaven here on earth. and And I'm excited tonight to share. I believe in the local church. I believe in the gathering of the saints. I'm a local church guy, uh, and I believe that this is God's mandate to change uh, this region, our state, our nation, and our world. And I refuse to succumb to the cultural idea that the church is an ancient, out of touch regime with little or no relevance to modern society. And Recently I've just been going on a journey of digging deeper into the church and and the local church and I'm convinced now more than never of the necessity and the importance the role plays in society, culture and how the world around us functions. And actually, I believe through both faith and prayer that we as a local church body of different denominations, uh, of different states and regions, are going to see a pouring out of God's presence in ways that we have maybe not seen before, not over programs or buildings, but over people who carry the message of Jesus every single place that they go, who rise up, wake up, and speak truth and message of life and hope and salvation that is found in Jesus. That just like Paul echoed in Romans, we would live what he said, that we would say, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation for all who would believe. Not just those who look like me, sound like me, sit next to me on a Sunday, but I am not ashamed of the gospel that is for everyone and anyone that I would be bold in my proclamation of the message of Jesus Christ. And we need families who are on fire with the things of God. We need sons and daughters and youth who will passionately seek the anointing. We need spiritual mothers and fathers who put their hands up to be obedient once again to the call of god and we need grandparents who understand the urgent hour we are in who will pray speak and stay involved in the local church come on the time is now sometimes though we need to be challenged right before we can be encouraged Uh, Can I just say I have a great sense of expectancy for the future of the church here in Australia, for the season that we're going to enter into, and and I'm going to share a message that I hope would would, would encourage us, but also challenge us to not be content to stay inside the building, but take Jesus every single place that we go. The cost of your Christianity. We're going to read from Matthew chapter 9, starting in verse 35. Just a couple of verses. We're going to camp there. And my goal tonight is not to provide all the answers for you, but my goal tonight is maybe to place an itch on the inside of you to go out of this this evening and seek a revelation and a conviction from the Word of God for your own. Because here's the sad truth. If you live off my revelation, then when Monday comes and life hits you again, what came in one ear will go out the other as quickly as it entered. But it is important and imperative that you pick up this book and you read it and you ask questions and you seek God for it and you get a conviction on the inside of you so that way when life comes we can truly sing songs like what we sung tonight that I will thank God that I will raise a hallelujah in every season I am in why because I have a conviction on the inside of me that my God is faithful and he will do what he's promised Matthew chapter 9 verse 35 I'm a shouter so I'm so sorry if that's <laughs> and Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and he proclaimed the gospel of the kingdom And healing every disease and every affliction. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them. Because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. What an observation about the world we live in today. They look harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Just from the beginning, there's something that I note there that is quite interesting, is that Jesus would make an observation about the world around him and the reality of the people that are surrounding him. And his response is not to say, well, God, would you fix them? God, would you, would you just do something in them that would change them, that they may come to me? No, no, no. He sees something of the world around him, and his response is to say, disciples, he looks them in the eye, and he says, the harvest is plenty, but the workers are few. So you need to pray, God, would you send out workers into your harvest to reach your harvest and to bring your people back to you? See, the issue is never with the harvest. It's with people who won't take up the call of Christ to share the message of Jesus to the people around him. And so I love Jesus. He looks at the world and then he looks straight as his followers and says, it's time that we stand up as workers to reach the harvest that is around us. Let's pray together and then we'll jump straight in. Father, we thank you tonight for for these moments, God, would they not just be information to fill our minds and heads, but would they be uh, seeds that would bring transformation to the inner parts of who we are. And God, I pray even now, everything that's happened for every single youth student, myself included, and leaders over the last few days, God, would you continue to cultivate those seeds, grow those seeds. But God, tonight as we share your word, would it not be my truth or my message, but would you humble me to just be a servant and a mouthpiece for you tonight. Hold my tongue when it needs to be held help me speak into things when things need to be said Uh, but God that ultimately we would all leave with a greater revelation of who you are and so right now every power principality that would raise itself up against the knowledge of you Jesus ask that you take it away that there is a clarity and a receptiveness to hear from heaven tonight it's in your name everyone said Amen and amen. Well, I shared a few stories about my grandma, right, over holidays. And then this morning, I kind of shared a little bit about our travels through our honeymoon. And I want to kind of go back to our honeymoon uh, and talk for a moment. And I said this morning, but just to bring everyone in on the journey, uh, my wife is from Northern Ireland, right, and so she is, uh, came over here when she was about 14, and I grew up in the south side of Brisbane, and, and we realized the sad thing sometimes about growing up in Australia, at least for me, and even for my wife, Sophie, is you never really travel like Australia, like there are so many great sites, so many cool things to see, and you never really travel. And so for our honeymoon, we thought we would just kind of pick a place in Australia and travel around it for a couple of weeks. And so we decided to go to Melbourne. I love coffee. And so Melbourne was top of the list, right, for me. And so we went there and I was saying this morning, it's funny, my wife and I are very different in how we kind of enjoy life. And she is very nature driven. So she loves the beach, she loves the forests. I just like shopping, coffee and concrete. And so uh, I will happily go to a city, spend a few days there, and I am stoked. For me, right, this is my thought, just to sidetrack a little bit. I kind of go, man, if if you've seen one tree, you've seen them all. If you've seen one blade of grass, you've seen them all. If you've seen one mountain, you've seen them all. Even better, you can sit on your lounge and watch National Geographic, and you can see everything from the comfort of your home. Right, that's my idea of nature, right? But for Sophie, she wants to immerse herself in it. Uh, and so I remember we got to Melbourne and we kind of did lots of different travels. And, and one of the places we went to was Dandenong Ranges, right? And so apparently beautiful mountainscapes and all this stuff. And so I was about 48 hours into marriage and I knew as a husband, I had to put aside my own needs for the needs of my wife which lasted for about three weeks before it was all about me again, right? Anyway, and so, so we go gone there. She really wanted to go to this lookout, and so we discovered it. We looked, researched it, found it. Apparently, it was meant to give you these beautiful views, right? And so we get there, and as we're driving up, we, we approach the area, and... And there's like a boom gate over the entry. And we're like, that's a little bit weird. Normally nature is just like free for all, you know what I'm saying? Like you can just rock up. And and so we're driving there. And as we get closer, we see that there's a sign that actually there's a cost to get into this lookout. Like trust humans to charge for something they had no ability or, or a partnership in designing. It's like, that is such a human thing. Yeah, we didn't create nature, but we'll definitely charge and earn a profit off this. And so anyway, so, but you know, when you're in too deep, like maybe you're going through the Macca's drive through and you're not quite sure and you go in and then you're like, nah, I want out, but someone's already come behind you. You can't get out. Yeah, that was us in this moment. And so as we approached there, it was maybe like $15 or $20 a person to go into this lookout. And so we get in there and the funny thing is we actually got married around Easter time. uh, And so it was public holiday central. And so we got there, and we walked out of the car, and we were like, well, I'm sure that restaurant's normally open. Uh, That gift shop, probably you could go in there also. There's also another like kind of little flower farm type thing. You probably had to pay to get into that as well. Uh, It was all shut off, and we got out there, and Sophie saw the beautiful mountains and um, took a million photos. Uh, Again, I don't know why, but it looked good on Instagram. And so she took the photos, and we were there, we had fun, and then we drived home uh, and continued on with our honeymoon and I want to ask you a question have you ever been in a situation where you were unaware of the cost of something and I'm sure we've all been in that place where we were confronted with the reality that in order to engage in an activity or an experience there was a cost attached to it we had no idea that there was a cost attached to seeing this lookout and what normally happens is when you're unaware of the cost attached to something you're left shocked and you're like man I didn't sign up for this Like, I wanted to go to a lookout just to do the lookout. I do not want to pay to see a mountain. But friend, can I suggest to us tonight that in modern Christianity and the church in 2023, especially in the West, we have reached the exact same place whereby we think there is no cost attached to our Christianity. See, we buy into the idea that following Jesus is just an add-on to our already exciting, comfortable, and enjoyable lives. But let me tell you, there is a cost to your Christianity because your faith is worth something. There is a cost to following Jesus. And in the age of convenience, we have lost the truth that life following Jesus is indeed costly. We've lost the notion that following Jesus in this day and age will cost you something, that standing for truth will cost you something. Let me tell you, following Jesus is not just a free pass to exist here so that you feel safe when you die and you go to heaven, but the mandate of following Jesus is to see heaven and to grab that and to establish and advance his kingdom here on earth to push back against darkness, and when you follow Jesus in that truth, it will cost you something. And see, if we don't understand the cost of our Christianity and following Jesus, what happens is we become consumeristic Christians, right, which is to say we feel called as long as it fits my schedule, as long as it fits my life, and as long as it fits the plans for my future that I have. We feel led as long as it doesn't mean I have to say something that potentially might be unpopular. I'm going to be a part of a church as long as they do everything exactly as I want or how I would like it. So what happens is we start saying things like this, well, how can the church serve me? The church is here to better me. What can the church do for me? What can Jesus do for me? How can Jesus make my life better? How can Jesus redirect the paths of my life to make my life more comfortable and more what I want? And suddenly God's kingdom begins to look a lot like the world's and we ourselves become the gravitational pull with which Jesus and the church move around. See, a called Christian will understand that their discipleship will contain inconvenience, but a consumer Christian will fear that discipleship will compromise their comfort. And so they opt out of what's transformation in their own life for fear of inconvenience. See, consumerism is a disease that has crept into the modern church, and it is robbing God's people of the life that God has offered them and invited them into. See, we have believers who will spend more time on a screen than they will in the scriptures. We have believers who will get more excited at a sporting game than they will in a church service. We have believers who are more vocal about their opinions on politics than they are about their own belief in Jesus. We have believers who are more concerned with whether the music's too loud or too soft than the fact that their work colleagues are going to hell that they pass every single day. We have believers who are more interested in what's trending than what God says is actually truth. We have believers who complain about a lack of church growth, but have never invited someone to church or shared their faith before and we have believers who are more invested in and adherent to a government policy during a pandemic than they are to living what the scripture commands we have believers who give more to netflix and disney plus than to their own church and we have believers who are more vocal and publicly open with their views on climate than they are about jesus Something is twisted in the modern church. It is time we step back to the cost of following Jesus to say my first and primary pursuit is to follow the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords who saved my life. And just like we say, I am thanking God that I'm not where I was, but that he has a plan for me and I'm going to grab heaven and I'm going to establish it here on earth. See friend, you weren't called by Jesus not to be a consumer, but you were called to make a difference, to bring heaven to earth, to see this city, this region transformed by the gospel. See, you'll know if consumerism has you if your first response when you leave church tonight is go, man, I didn't like that he wore jeans that had holes in them. You'll know if consumerism's got you because the first thing you do when you leave an environment with the church is to complain and critique what should have happened or how it should have been done based on your opinion. I mean, look, I'll just detour to the Gold Coast. I know this is probably not true for here, right? Because you're an elite class of Christians. But at the Gold Coast, we're dealing with We've left the 99 and we're truly going after the one there. But we have this idea, right, called church shopping, which is to say, I'm going to find the church that is exactly how I want it and how I like it. And this is rife on the Gold Coast. Right, we have a. Well, I'm going to have a kids program that looks like this. I've got to have a youth program that does this and does a great camp once a year and has a good Friday night program. I've got to have a worship team that has this standard. So it sounds like when I finish listening to Hillsong in my car, it's just a seamless transition. I never want to serve, though, but that's just what I want. Uh, I also want to have a church that does really good missions, but not too hard because I don't want to feel guilty for not being involved. I just want to say I'm a part of a church that does something. So we have this whole idea of church shopping where we don't build a bear, but we build a church around what we want, what we need and what we want to see in a church. Friend, consumerism is not the way of Jesus. And the problem is that a consumer Christianity will put you at the center of your own faith. And so we don't get believers who plant, we get believers who just pass through chasing the next hype, wherever that may go. What does this have to do with Matthew nine? I mean, I got no idea, I just had to get that off my chest. (laughs) (laughs) But see, in light of all this, what happens is we don't engage with the work of God's kingdom, but rather we just partake of empty religious activities that we sit and fill a pew, but we never bring the kingdom of God to earth. And so I hear the words of Jesus to his disciples in Matthew 9, ringing in my ears for the church in 2023, where he says, the harvest is plenty, but the workers are few. The harvest is ready, but the Christians are too busy consuming for their own self-gain and benefit to advance my kingdom in the region around me. I love the book of Matthew. I love the gospel account of Matthew and how he reveals and explains life in God's kingdom. In fact, the notion of king and kingdom is a core message and theme in Matthew's gospel. The kingdom of heaven is mentioned 33 times, and the kingdom of God is mentioned five times. Matthew is trying to explain, through his recount of Jesus' life, what it is to operate and live in the kingdom of God. And friend, Jesus speaks right into the midst of our current cultural consumeristic Christianity, and he says, the harvest is plenty, but the work is a few. I love this quote from Charles Spurgeon. Apparently, he's a big deal. (laughs) Just kidding, I know who he is. I went to Bible college. <laughs> <laughs> he says this, Pretenders were many, but real laborers in the harvest were few. Man-made ministers are useless. Still are the fields encumbered with gentlemen who cannot use the sickle. Still the real in-gatherers are few and far between. I love this. Where are the instructive soul-winning ministries? I'll tell you right now, I mean, I'll just be honest. I am done with a safe Christianity that makes me feel good for an hour and a half on a Sunday, but then I chameleon back to everyone else on a Monday. I am done with the Christianity that puts me at the center, that thinks it's about my gain and my life. But the moment I got born again, I became a co-laborer and co-partner in Jesus reaching the world. That let me tell you, he is still as passionate about winning and saving and reaching in 2023 as he was that many years ago when he sent his son to die on a cross to be hung there and to be beaten and to be whipped and to bleed and to die and to be buried and to raise to life just so humanity could come back to his creator. He, Our God is still as passionate about the city we are in as he was back then and I have such a desire on the inside of my life to change the script and say God I don't want to live for me anymore and I don't want it to be about my life and my gain but I want to partner with you to bring heaven to earth and push back against darkness and refuse used to come to the idea that the church is on the decline and the outer, but I truly believe that where light is, darkness goes. Where are the instructive, soul-winning ministries? The harvest is plenty, but the workers are few. This is not about doing more church, serving more, Because the reality is ministry happens more out there on a Monday to Saturday than it does sometimes in a building on a Sunday. This is not about a church growth strategy. It is about living in the kingdom of God. See, we have created active churchgoers and absent Christians. We've created a generation where we think Jesus on Sunday and think the world on Monday. You need to understand church is not the standard of Christianity. It is simply the starting point. Church is there to be a place that can propel you into the week, whether that's high school, whether that's a university, whether that's a workplace. Man, maybe the mission field for you is just your extended family, but when you come together on a Sunday, you just don't think that's the ceiling, but that's the floor that should push you back out into the world to reach more people, that you may meet them, that you may share the message of Jesus, that when you come back in here, you can get pumped about the other person who's just done the same thing, and you can worship God because He's so great, and you can pray, and you can believe, and then you go back out into the harvest. The harvest is plenty, Jesus says, but the work is a few. And so what's our response? No, God, fix the world. God, make them understand what they have to do and act like in a place like this so that they can kind of fit in with my safe world. No, no, no. Jesus looked at his disciples and he looks at us today and says, pray to the God of the harvest to raise up workers to enter into his harvest. See, we think the church exists for us, but friend, let me tell you, You are the church, and the church is on mission, called to go into the world, not just to sit on a pew. Consumer Christians, they don't reach the harvest, but they resent the harvest. Because all of a sudden, someone steps into this space, and they act different, sound different, maybe they smell different. You can't act like what you used to, and so you begin to resent the very people God died to save. And so we spend all of our time throwing stones at other workers, throwing stones at other churches, instead of picking up a shovel and cheering them on as we reach the harvest together. If uh, Keys want to join me, Pastor Dave, we'll try and land this plane with as little turbulence as possible. This ain't a Qantas flight, we ain't turning around. <laughs> Sorry if anyone works at Qantas. I'm a virgin flyer, and so. <laughs> uh, yeah, anyway. What I mean by that is I fly virgin. <laughs> Stick to the notes, Lenton. <laughs> I'm never coming back past Dave, I'm never coming back. <laughs> Listen, as long as we are more concerned with poking holes at other Christians, a hurting, dying, broken world is passing us by, and the time to step into the harvest is now. See, my heart is not to build the church. Jesus does a good enough job of that as it is. My heart has changed recently from my own kind of paradigm of ministry to not feel the burden to build the church. Because if I'm honest with you, three years ago, it almost broke me. But God's taken me on a journey where I am here to equip the church, which we all know is the job of the pastor, so that as the church, we can step into the world as workers to reach the people God's called us to reach. Listen, friend, the time is now to leave consumerism behind us and step into the call that God has over each and every one of us to live devoted lives to Jesus, sold out for His kingdom, His mission and His cause and I believe that now is the time where the harvest truly is ripe and ready, that when darkness gets darker and brokenness gets more broken, when the enemy runs rampant in our high schools, in our universities, in our culture, in the decision making ethic of the day, it is the perfect time not for the church to shrink back in scaredness, but to step out in boldness and be a voice and a pillar of truth in the society with which we're in to be a worker to reach the harvest. So the reality is life in the kingdom involves working more than it does whinging. It involves working more than it does just wish, wishing for our own self-comfort. and the less time we spend working to reach the harvest, the more people enter into an eternity separate from God. So what does Jesus say to his disciples in Matthew chapter 9? Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Why don't we stand? I'm going to read it one more time and then what I'm going to do is Dave's going to play. Team might sing and you know, open up for people to receive prayer if that's what you would like. Therefore, Jesus says, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out labourers into His harvest. See, this is a prayer we must pray, but we can only pray it honestly if we pray with an open ear to hear God tell us You go into the harvest. Brackenridge, we are called to reach this region, to be a worker in advancing God's kingdom in the earth around us. And I just have such a strong sense in my spirit and a faith in my heart that God is putting back into His church movement where there has been an idleness. Maybe it's for fear of retribution. Maybe it's for fear of backlash. I don't know what that is, but I feel such a strong sense in my spirit that there is movement coming back to the church of God that will say, I am about stepping out and putting stakes in the ground for God's kingdom wherever I am. And so what I would love to do simply this is, maybe you're here and you, you go, man, That's me, I I wanna be that follower that does not sit back and just think about my own self and my own life anymore, but I wanna be a part of advancing God's kingdom. For too long, I've rested uh, on the pew and I've sat back. And remember, this is not about serving more, it's about saying, God, would you use me where I am with boldness to proclaim your message and advance your kingdom. I wanna be a worker in reaching your harvest. And so maybe that's you. Then what I'm gonna ask so boldly is that you would physically put a sign to your inward conviction or inward longing tonight to be that. And I'm just gonna ask that you come down the front And what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna pray for you as the band leads and I'm believing that God, by His Spirit, is gonna deposit something in you that will change your paradigm and your perspective when it comes to your work, when it comes to your family, when it comes to your everyday life. Because friend, the time is now and it is urgent that the church of Jesus Christ no longer shrinks back but steps out as a worker in reaching His harvest. So what I'm gonna do is I'm simply gonna count to three. No one's closing their eyes. I'm gonna to count to three. And I don't want you to look to the left. I don't want you to look to the right. I don't want you to look to the person in front of you, to the person behind you. If you have something on the inside of you that says, God, I wanna be someone who is a worker in reaching your harvest. I'm done with consumeristic Christianity. I wanna be a called Christian sent on mission to the world. If that's you in the count of three, just come to the front. Again, don't look to the left or the right. Just act in obedience to what God's leading to you. One, two, three.